Now, what are you watching? What are you guys watching? What are you watching? What are you watching, guys? What's this show? Is it new? What is this show? What are you watching? What are you watching? What are you watching? Okay, that's it. That's enough screen time, people. Let's all take a 10-minute break. No more TV. Turn it off now. Welcome back to another episode of Screen Time is Cancelled. I'm Aaron. I'm Andy. And this week we watched Nico and the Sword of Light. Mainly because as I was scrolling through Amazon Prime and Sam was sitting with me, he recognized the fact that he had listened to Nico and the Sword of Light on Amazon Storytime. Yes. So we kind of, at that point, we weren't allowed to watch anything else. It was basically like that was, <laughs> it was decided. We're watching Nico in the sto- Sword of Light now because he is familiar with it, which was fun because he kept telling us and updating us as to what was going on. Yeah, like he knew who the characters were within seconds. and It's weird entering into something that your four-year-old knows more about than you do. Like, usually it's like him asking us questions about a show that we're watching, either because... It's a show that we're showing him like, hey, we're watching Angry Beavers, Sam. How do you like this? And he's asking who these people are because he knows I've watched it. Or he's just asking because he doesn't know and he's hoping that we do. It may be worth noting, side note, that at the time this podcast drops, Sam will actually be five. (gasps) Happy birthday to Sam. Yeah. Anyone who wants to send him donations, um, please do so. Donations? How about just a birthday card? (laughs) Or like wishes or something. <laughs> well, I was donations for what? He's fine. I, I mean, I figured we would take donations for his party. You know, you know, like 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 some bridezilla that takes like donations for their honeymoon and like gets people to like pay a cover to go to their wedding. Like I was <laughs> hoping we could do the same thing and kind of offset the price and the cost of his lavish birthday party that we're having at no. home with pizza and cupcakes. Yeah, yeah, like mm-hmm. three hundred pizzas in, in <laughs> that six of us an equitable eat. number of cupcakes. <laughs> I want to give the impression that we're giving some huge lavish party. I just want people to think that we're cool and we're rolling in money and we're just throwing all this money at this huge birthday party now that, you know, now that the pandemic's over and everyone can go back to what they were doing. And see, I would like the opposite. I would like people to very much know that we literally just got permission to not wear masks if you're fully vaccinated. (laughs) We are not having a lavish party. We are being very careful and we, considerate of other people. When you, I like when you phrase it as we just got permission, it sounds like we talked to our dad. <laughs> dad says it was cool. Dad said we could finally take our masks off and that we could give our son a birthday party, but we could only have one pizza and four and a half cupcakes. <laughs> and we couldn't get any new soda because there was still some DNL in the fridge from the last party. Why do you reference DNL? What's wrong with you? Because I missed DNL. It was good. I liked it a lot. Was it actually different from 7-Up? Yeah, it was upside down 7-Up. It had an that upside down formula. That didn't answer my question at all. Like, all the parts that were crisp and bubbly were the opposite of crisp and bubbly. No, I think it just kind of... Flat tasted... and awful? <laughs> I mean, kind of. Imagine like if you mixed Fresca and Mountain Dew. It was actually flavored different? Oh. Yeah, it was different soda. It was DNL. I Okay. I, I know, I guess by, by saying it like... It could have just been a different label, but no, it was an actual different soda. Like, and it, it tasted kind of like halfway between Fresca and seven, and uh, Fresca and Mountain Dew. Is this like how we talked about in our waffles and mochi episode, where if you play different music, the same chocolate can taste different? <laughs> if you swap out the label of soda, you confuse Andrew, and he thinks that it's different soda. You know what it is? I think it's more like is the uh, whether or not that dress was like gold or blue or whatever the hell the colors oh, were. Oh, there's another one of those going around right now. I forget what it was. 
If you held the can it's one like way or the or other, something. it tasted different ways to different people. Different way. So if you drank it upside, like hanging upside down, it tasted different? Yeah. Yeah. If you if you were upside down, but also... If you shotgun it versus drinking it from the top. <laughs> yeah. You know, kids are always shotgunning seven up. Two liters, no less. I did that once with... That sounds really dumb. With Polar Orange Dry. You shotgunned it? No, but I did chug a two liter in like three minutes. <gasps> did uh, you puke? Yeah, immediately. Oh, uh, wow. We were playing the Roxanne drinking game, but we were too young to actually have alcohol. So we were just drinking Polar Orange Dry. And... <laughs> I've- <laughs> My friend Greg was like, he had like three or four little... I feel like um, that might be the most Connecticut thing I've ever heard. <laughs> no. I, I feel like, no, I, I take that back. The most Connecticut thing would have been like Pellegrino. Well, the the more Connecticut thing would have been if we were at a bonfire out in the middle of the woods and doing this. Oh, is that a Connecticut that's what thing? Everyone, that's where everyone drank in high school, was at, at, at just non-specific bonfires. I was just trying to reference like rich people in their Oh, tastes, yeah. But... You and I have different experiences with Connecticut. Yes. Mine were mostly kids at bonfires. Because Mainers also ones. drank at bonfires. We just drank like PBR. <laughs> yeah. I don't really know. I didn't go to, I didn't get invited to any of these cool bonfire parties. Oh, I just okay. knew that they happened. Yep. And you'd always hear stories about someone almost falling into or actually falling into the bonfire yes or someone trying to grab a log that was on fire Uh that was like i don't know if this was the same kid at every bonfire probably but it's kind of like like um like stories you'd hear going back to school after summer of like some kid trying to jump something on their bike Mm -hmm. like there was always just some kid who tried to jump something on his bike and really messed up his arm or broke his collarbone or whatever yep Sounds accurate. Anyways, my friend Greg had three of those little um, paper cups that you'd have for like rinsing your mouth at... The Dixie cups. Yeah, little Dixie cups that you'd have in the bathroom for mm-hmm. rinsing your mouth. And he was just prepping them with Polar Orange Dry while we were watching to... Or watching, listening to Roxanne. And I was taking a shot every time they said Roxanne and then immediately went upstairs and just booted the whole thing right back out. Wow, you had time to make it upstairs? Yeah. So we finished the song and then like it was immediate right back upstairs. Wow, I would have had a bucket like <laughs> with me. Yeah, we. this wasn't like a well-planned thing. Oh. Like, we were just sitting downstairs. We had the thing of Polar Orange Dry. We were downloading MP3s on, on Napster, and we were like, oh, <laughs> let's get Roxanne, and let's try this. Because we both heard about this at school, where cooler kids who drank had tried this, or supposedly tried this. Wow. That is quite the opening story that what has was... literally nothing to do with Nico and the Sword of Light. What was this about? <laughs> what were we talking about? Why were we talking about this? Because you made some comment about... How we couldn't have a lavish birthday party and we couldn't get soda because there's still DNL in the fridge. Oh my God, the DNL. That was like 20 minutes ago. (laughs) You're such an old man. That was like 20 minutes ago we were talking about DNL. Oh Oh my God. I don't make that anymore. There's so many good soda. You remember Citra? No. Oh, that was a good one too. That was also like halfway between Fresca and Mountain Dew. There were a lot in that kind of like, it's like 7-Up but sweeter category hmm. i feel like mellow yellow was like that as well i thought mellow yellow was closer to mountain dew yeah but it's not as like syrupy sweet as mountain dew hmm. mountain dew was always too sweet for me even like when you're supposed to be able to handle really sweet stuff i couldn't do mountain dew it was just it was just a little too much it wasn't bubbly enough it always tasted a little bit flat we may have a future guest on our show that has opinions on mountain dew yeah we should do you want to preface that that this is the thing that might be happening do you want to t- tease no. that Okay. I mean, I literally just did. Oh. Future guest on our show that has opinions on Mountain Dew. I feel like that's plenty. It's Stephen Dew, the founder of Mountain Dew. <laughs>
So Nico in the sort of light. <laughs> Why is that funny? Whenever you transition back to the topic at hand, it, it just always feels like this moment of like, yeah, okay. So anyways, um, <laughs> I mean, that's essentially what I did. So Nico in the sort of light actually has a pretty cool intro, I would say. Mm. And based on that alone, I could tell that this probably would have been something I would have watched as a kid. hundred percent. Yeah. And, in fact, I, I think I can probably preface the whole episode with saying this wasn't half bad. I won't be sad if we have to watch episode two or three or four, you know. There's There was something about it that really reminded me of 80s and 90s children's cartoons because it had that feeling of like, I think this is only the second show that we've we've done that's had this, of an overarching plot line and like a quest that the people are on that they're going towards. Right. Like you have other, to watch it in order. Right. The only other one I can think of that had that was The Lion Guard. Yes. I think every other show that we've watched has either been education, like purely education, like a Waffles and Mochi or Word Party, where there is no overarching plot line, or something like Polly Pocket or... Or the theme of the show is essentially like you're following this family unit or this group of animals, people, etc. And that's the overarching plot line. Like it's... Right. There isn't a story per se. It's just here's the Paw Patrol. Here's Bluey and her family. Like that sort of thing. And I, and I used to watch a lot of those shows as a kid, particularly Episodic the one, ones. Yes. This reminded me a lot of a show called Pirates of Dark Water, which was another just, you know, very episodic thing. Guys going on a quest to find the 13 things that they can use to defeat the bad guy. And which I'm sure was the plot of 500 TV shows that were designed to sell toys in the 80s and 90s of on a quest to find the items to defeat the bad guys. But it just, yeah, it had very much called back and, and gave me that same kind of nostalgia of like, oh, as a kid, I would have loved sitting down on a Saturday morning or whenever this aired and getting excited for the next bit of this saga. And I haven't seen it, so I feel like this is a slightly unfair comparison because I haven't seen it. But the art style reminded me a little of Gravity Falls and that sort of show. Yes, it definitely has an art style that felt familiar, which yeah. is interesting. This actually started off as an animated comic book oh. that was kickstarted to the tune of like 32,000 pounds, I think. Wow. Um, so that, that's where it started off as its life as an animated comic book and then got uh, optioned and turned into this this two season TV show. So I'm guessing it's British and not that they're taking it in pounds of like, I don't know, flesh or something. I could have also accidentally gone to kickstarter.co.uk. So, (laughs) you know, sometimes you end up on amazon.co.uk and you don't understand how. No, no, I usually understand how, but, um, okay. Can you tell me how? Can you help me? Usually you... We'll we'll take it off air. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. In addition to the animation style feeling familiar, I also found it really beautiful at certain points. In the opening, for example, you have Mandoc. Is that his name? He's like a weird rodent character. Yes. Played by Tom Kenny. I don't know who that is. Spongebob. He oh. was the voice of Spongebob and then a million other things. Gotcha. Okay. He was also one of the voices in Handy Manny. <laughs> That's a callback. <laughs> More famously known for Handy Manny, right. obviously. Um, there's a bit where Mandoc kind of, to get away from a monster, crawls through this crack in a stone wall and into a cave that has this glowing rock in it. And there's, right after he crawls through this crack, there's these little like 
dust particles floating in light and the blue light emanating off the rock. And it's like, Mandok is not pretty to look at, but this is really beautifully lit and drawn. Yes. <laughs> I'm surprised. It, it feels like something that was... That it had like a, it had a visual vision to it. Yes. That's a horrible phrase. I wish I could think of it all, but like it had an artistic vision to it. This is, these are the scenes that what we want it to look like. So much of what we watch for this podcast specifically is very utilitarian. Yeah. It's just like. Or pa- flat design or. Paw Patrol has no camera movement it has no like shots that it's setting up it's just like we need to show these five things in frame we need to establish this then rubble's going to come in from the left almost like a stage show like it's just there's nothing that the camera is doing or the framing is doing to add anything other than just we need to show you these things and then the camera will move slightly to also reveal that thing over there right and then you have shows like peppa pig where the whole point is they're designed to be quirky looking yes not realistic not pretty yeah and so like this and i think bluey was the other one that i think had a lot of clearly some care went into the animation in I i think i've brought this up to you off air before but when i read that book slimed about the history of nickelodeon they talked a lot about rugrats and how Rugrats was unique at the time and even still because it has a lot of camera movement. It does. I remember that specifically about that show. Followed, and a lot of like Tommy's diapered butt a few times. Yeah. <laughs> and like it would like go into like into the baby's mouth or come out of the baby's right. mouth. There'd be a lot of movement through things and not just like simple movement, like actual choreographed camera movement on an animated show yeah which gave it a much different feel than a lot of other tv shows like something like doug which is very like a three camera sitcom just here's you know person and reaction and back to the person talking so this this had a lot of that as well and i think probably from coming from a comic book helped have helped give it that direction i say having no experience in comic books television direction (laughs) art (laughs) looking at things so i'm curious if you noticed something that i noticed in watching this show i found something else very familiar actually three somethings in this case was it that the teleporting noise that lyra makes sounds like the star trek teleporter noise no okay i did find that familiar okay Mm -hmm. no i noticed three of the characters were very familiar Okay. I mean, there were only like six characters that we saw in the first episode. So. Yes, which is why it's interesting that three of them were as familiar. The Lyra's uncle, mm-hmm. who is um, one of, I guess, a, a council of elders sort of thing at this castle that Lyra is a princess at. Mm-hmm. And she is in charge of, I guess, to give you y'all a little backstory, because we haven't really done that. Um, she's in charge of finding the next champion who's going to save everybody humans from the darkness from narast i think the, yeah who's the big like an evil was. uh wizard yeah and at the, this champion shows up on a cycle that has something to do with the moon yeah it, it awakes and every dark moon i think they said like 13 years or something. yeah and it's oh the champions always failed at this point and in that opening scene the crystal chrysalis that the championship is in gets cracked open prematurely by Mandoc and the creature that's attacking him. It's not a championship. (laughs) The crystal chrysalis that the champion is in gets cracked open early by the monster that's chasing Mandoc around. Right. So 
Nico, the champion, ends up coming out earlier than he should have. So he he's younger, I yeah, guess. Yeah, he's like a 10-year-old boy. Right. Still seems pretty capable for oh, sure. a 10-year-old boy. Um, anyhow, so the sultan, or sorry, the, the uncle mm-hmm. at the castle with Lyra as part of the Council of Elders is an older squat man with a long white beard mm-hmm. who talks and acts very much like the sultan in Aladdin. Oh my gosh, yes. I didn't put that together, but absolutely. Narest, mm-hmm. who is the big bad, an evil wizard, is basically just spooky Jafar. Yeah, and Jafar was pretty spooky to begin with. Yes, he, this guy's spookier. He's like ghostly. Yeah, well, he's made of like darkness. Yes. And doesn't have as cool of a beard and mustache. Right. And lastly, there is a bit during this episode where Nico and Lyra, Lyra? Lyra. I think Lyra. Lyra, whatever her name is. Um, and Mandok are in the woods and Nico is discovering his fate, that he's a champion, et cetera, et cetera. And they get attacked or almost attacked by a three-headed, six-eyed wolf thing, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Yeah. However, they were basically just the three hyenas from the Lion King in Toxic Sludge. Yeah. Oh so my gosh. It, it just all of this, <laughs> I, I kept seeing things and being able to relate them back to very specific Disney characters. And that was a little disappointing. That being said, all of these characters were, all of the characters are done well. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. And I feel like I probably, I was looking for things to be wrong with this show because of this podcast. And so I, I may have noticed that where others might not have, clearly, because you didn't, right? I didn't pick up on any of that. Okay. Like, I, I picked up on the voice of the uncle being familiar, and I didn't... The, the one thing I didn't notice, I didn't catch nearly anyone's name. Sam told me the names of most of the characters because I didn't catch yes. them in the context of the show. But so, like, Lyra, Amanda, I had no idea. What any any other names were? Up yeah, until... they announced them mostly kind of late in the show. You kind of just watch the characters do their thing for the first five or ten minutes, and then they start explaining things. So with a show like this, and this is something that I, I wanted to I bring up as kind of our first discussion question here. This is an episodic show that has a as a plot line as a story arc that, that goes across in it, this the case of Nico and the Sword of Light two seasons. It mm-hmm. lasted for two seasons. It feels almost cruel to me. To have these shows that exist and episodic shows like this for kids with the potential of them not actually resolve the plot line that they have. Because like it's not like you could find out halfway through the season that, oh, advertisers don't like this show anymore. We're canceling it. Like, this is a streaming show. So you know that you're going to run the whole season. I'm kind of curious about that because I feel like on the one hand, I regularly see those articles about all the shows that Netflix canceled this year, blah, blah, blah. Sure. But I also regularly hear that Netflix, Hulu, whomever picks up this show or signs, what's the, what's it called when you, options? Sure. Options is a word that I've heard used. Netflix gets access to this show or this story and orders three seasons Mm. at once. Yeah. So that what I don't know is if a a company is required to make all three seasons, if they do that, 
Because then if they do that for this show, then it's not a problem. You re- you make sure there is a resolution. It doesn't have to be the resolution, but a resolution at the end. And you leave it a little open-ended like you do literally everything. Because if it goes well, you can do a spin-off. You can do more seasons. But it's some- there's something that just feels... I don't know. It, it feels, especially with a kid's show, cruel to have the potential that a storyline may not resolve itself. Or even like, I don't know, I'm just thinking back to all of the shows that I watched as a kid where the storyline never resolved itself because the show got canceled. Oh, I feel like I, I didn't even notice. I was so, I don't know, on to something else by then. <laughs> <laughs> like, I remember that uh, the classic Nickelodeon show Space Cases that storyline never resolved itself. The Even the one I referenced earlier, Pirates of Dark Water, never resolved itself. They just, you get invested in these storylines. They pull you in and then, it's, oh yeah, sorry, we couldn't. And I know that that's just probably the way it's been in television forever. But with kids shows, it feels like, because they just get so emotionally involved. Yeah. And I just, you know, I, I just, I, I guess I just don't want my heart broken again with Nico and the Sword of Light. You also are someone who won't read the last book in a series because you don't want it to be over, where I feel like you're probably in the minority, <laughs> whereas most other children were probably like me and already on to the next thing or the show was over and you're like, all right, what else am I going to watch? You know, I feel like maybe you just called me out a little bit there. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, there's just something about, especially with a kid's show, like I feel like kids deserve a proper ending to their stories. Sure. And with the way that Netflix and you know, Prime and all the others can just kind of lose interest in a show the second it stops bringing in new accounts, like it seems dangerous. Yeah. Because then it doesn't matter how popular the show is, if, if they don't see it as a way to bring in new accounts, well, then it's not worth keeping around. Sure. The characters in the show are particularly interesting because you have Mandok, who's this monkey rat creature. I don't know what to call him. And he's very scaredy cat comedic relief, Mm -hmm. right? You have Lyra, who is a princess who's supposed to be 14, but has been 14 for 700 and something years. So she speaks like an adult, mm. uh, but very casual, I guess I would say. Sure. And then you have Nico, who is supposed to be a 10-year-old boy-ish, uh, who just woke up from this magic stone and says things like, odious beast, and do n- I do not know, <laughs> instead of don't. Like, do people wake up from, I don't know, long slumber or being born and just not know contractions? Maybe he's like Data from Star Trek, who doesn't use contractions. And like he just so it's it's a choice. He he's just a choice. Yeah. Use them. Oh, yeah. All right. He he's he's got plenty of time. He doesn't need to contract his words. It's <laughs> fair, I guess. What I liked about Nico was his character was was very much like I am new in this world. I don't understand ninety percent of things. Like I don't know what fruit is. He called them tree creatures. Which <laughs> I thought that was entertaining, considering they don't move. And it looked like he was just eating dragon fruit. Yeah. Which look, I mean, it looked like he was really enjoying it. Yeah, it was totally. like dragon fruits the size of his head. And then like pears, I think. Yeah. But I like that his personality is just like, does not, does not understand or acknowledge his own limitations. He's does not just, care. Does not care. Just, I'm going to do it. I got this. Here to save the world. Don't worry about it. And even in situations where like he gets halfway there and I was like, oh, I'm actually in a lot of danger. Just keeps barreling on through it. I think it's a really interesting character for a kid's show. 
Maybe you can help answer something for me that I got confused about. So there's this bit in the middle of this episode, and I guess it's probably part of the larger story, that because Nico was woken early, Mm -hmm. they're confused. They don't think he's the champion. I'm guessing it's because he's supposed to be older. Yeah, Um, and he's too young. He's not ready yet. So because he's woken early, all the elders are saying something to the effect of without a champion, we're stuck. We're stuck in this age. We we are going to stay. None of us will age. We're just stuck here like this. Mm-hmm. And then one of the elders tells Lyra. Did I say it wrong again? I mean, it's fine. She's not going to get mad. Then one of the elders tells the princess. There we go. <laughs> To take Nico, keep him hidden and safe for several years, and then he might be ready to be a champion. Mm -hmm. But if he doesn't age, and that's a big problem. So here's how I interpreted the situation. This is based on nothing at all. So cool. Here's my fan theory based on one episode of a show that has already concluded and probably explained this at some point. (laughs) We see the castle that the princess and all the other elders are in. Which is another really cool piece of art, by the way. It is. It reminded me a bit of, I want to say it's Neverending Story Part 2. Yes. There's a a similar like golden castle with a bunch of different levels. Yeah, it was beautiful. I would would have a poster of that somewhere in my house if they sold that. You know what? I'm going to hold you to that. I'm going to get you a poster of that. And then you're going to feel weird about having to put it up in the house somewhere. Maybe how about just like a four by six print? No, no, no. We have it on recording that you said poster. <sighs> and posters could be like up till movie poster size. Yeah. So I'm going to I'm going to get that for you. But it, they, we see this cool like castle that they're in and it's very clearly like a floating island. Like it's it's a piece of land that is not connected to anything else. It's floating in space or in an ocean or not not an ocean but like in some kind of void. Mm-hmm. Surrounded by a bubble. Right. I think the bubble is just what they're looking through. I don't think it's... I uh, See, I don't know, because I think there were times where they were showing it with a bubble around it. Like, oh. like when, when Narast was looking at them through his crystal ball, it was showing it inside of a bubble there. So my, my read on this is they have paused... Some horrible cataclysm happened, and they basically created a, a bubble that exists outside of time. They froze time inside that bubble to keep the last remnants of humanity alive. So time passes outside of this bubble, but not inside of it, which is why Lyra is effectively like astral projecting to where Mandok and Nico are. Because that's why she can't interact with anything. She's in why, why she's like teleporting in and out. You figured all that out from a cartoon. One cartoon episode. Yeah. That's impressive. Thanks. You're welcome. That, that's what I figure. Because, like, she made a bunch of comments about how she couldn't help Nico because she couldn't touch him. Even though she could give him the, the shard of the crystal that she had around her neck. Yeah. So she has this shard, right, that mm-hmm. she's supposed to give to the champion. And they get into a scuffle with a giant ant thing. Yeah, it looked really cool. Yeah, the monsters are actually pretty good in the show. So she tosses it to him with no context and just says, activate your weapon. But and this he, ten-year-old is supposed to know what to do with that, and he does. He is confused for a while. Until, As is she. She doesn't know what to do either. This type of mythology must have been infuriating for the people who believed in it. Well, and she even says, "Like, oh, the other champions just did it," and so 
you know, he needs to see Mandok in trouble and suddenly he can have his Sailor Moon transformation moment where he does the thing. And says, I am Nico. I actually I wrote it down. I am here to free my people and defeat the darkness forever. And well, all of a sudden, within seconds, he knows super cool like Pokemon style moves like Shockwave and Fire Flash. Yeah, because he's the champion. He's super rad. <laughs> I can see like why Sam wants to play as him. Like, I would totally have wanted to pretend I was him all the time. Yeah. I would have, like, gotten myself a little cheap sword from the costume shop and pretended it was this cool JRPG-looking sword that I was would run around in and just slash at stuff. Or got a cool dad who made you one out of cardboard. No, I don't, I don't know where I would have had one of those. <laughs> now, I remember my dad made us um, a long time. I was probably, like, a freshman, sophomore year of high school. Uh, he made my sister and I wooden dowels with a pool noodle on it. And then he took Tupperware to slide up the hill to be like a little gar- hand guard so that we had little swords we could fight with. I was referring to you. You made Sam a sword out oh! of cardboard. <laughs> yes. But my dad made these cool like, wooden dowel ones. That's cool. And that, that was really fun. We, my sister and I sword fought with those a lot. And... My friends who did LARPing would call those boffers oh is that a thing i believe so yes cool it's what you use instead of a sword so you don't actually hurt people i mean you can still crack some no, yes, pretty hard with you, them the key is you don't swing it hard well i mean then you're not really having fun are you you gotta, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta go full into I guess it guess it depends on what you're swinging at you gotta go all out just this once all right <laughs> the only other thing i can really remember that i wanted to call out about this show because in general again it was just like it was pretty entertaining to watch i didn't take a lot of notes because i just was interested in the story and the animation was pleasant um was that they have these i don't know like caterpillars with wings type creatures named butter monks and they're adorable (laughs) they were really cute and they project your memories or something like they're they're little movie projector bugs (laughs) kind of like the weird projector torture device from our real monsters do you remember that Oh, vaguely. They would send that they were supposed to go out and scare people for school, and then they'd have to sit down in the projector, and it would project their memory of the scare out on the screen for everyone in the class to see. Oh, man. Which, I like, think I need to rewatch some of that. When you describe it outside of the context of this like kind of cute monster TV show, sounds really horrifying and inappropriate for kids. Yes. Episode 40? <laughs> yeah, episode 40. Let's rewatch All Real Monsters. Cool. I, I remember really liking that show. You know what shocked me about this? As best as I could tell, there are no toys for Nico and the Sword of Light. There's just an Amazon Storytime story. There's the Amazon Storytime story. There's the original uh, animated comic or comics. I don't know how many actually got produced because of the Kickstarter, but I couldn't find like, uh, and this was not a a very deep search, but I couldn't find costumes being sold. Not a lot of merch. Yeah, there's just no merch that I could find, which surprised me because it seems like a very easily, you know, the Nico character has a pretty simple costume. His sword is pretty recognizable and would be easy to do a piece of blue plastic with a couple of LEDs in there, which I saw some people do craft projects for, but nothing. I feel like this is telling me we need to do some sort of grid of all the shows that we've watched and call out the like level of merch. <laughs> like, are they doing it for the merch? Essentially, <laughs> it would be interested, interesting to see that almost like a little like a rubric. Yeah, because like I feel like Bluey has merch, but I, at no point am I watching an episode of Bluey and thinking like, oh, those grannies are going to be toys, right? <laughs> You're not—they're not doing things to make 
it look cool to sell a toy. They're just making a good show, which makes kids want toys. Right. Whereas, yeah, when we're watching Mighty Express, you're watching like, this is toys. Mm-hmm. Or every episode of Paw Patrol that involves the Dino Patroller or the the motorcycle, whatever. Yeah. Motorcycle? That's not a word. Motorcycle. <laughs> The motorcycle patrol, all that, you're like, this is a new toy line. This is what you're doing. You know, I say that, we say that, and I can't pinpoint what it is that I can tell about Bluey versus Paw Patrol that one says toys and the other one doesn't. I I think it's exactly- Gadgets? I think it's what you're showing. It's saying it's like the way that Paw Patrol frames all of its things is, look how fucking cool the Dino Patroller is is look at this thing jumping like wouldn't you like to have this thing jumping over they're 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 product shots they're the shots you can imagine these scenes being taken and used in the commercial Mm. whereas like i can't imagine a commercial for bluey toys that has bingo saying i slipped on the beans (laughs) and being like oh that's the commercial right there but the grannies episode has become so beloved that they have grannies figurines yeah but when i saw that when we when we looked it up and i and i looked at the toys it was like it was more of a, a like oh my god they have grannies toys and not oh of course they do right of course mighty express is it was, a toy yeah. line like it's it's, and with paw patrol especially as much as i i enjoy paw patrol i think it's one of my favorite things that sam watches just because of how silly it is yeah it's it's ridiculousness factor not necessarily that it's a very good show <laughs> Disagree to disagree. Okay, but, all right. <laughs> but it's very obvious to me. Like every season, they invent a new type, a new a new subtype of thing. With the Sea Patrol, the right. Air Rescue, the Dino Patrol. There has to be a new pup and a new vehicle, or and tool all of them something. lead to. They added the Mighty Pups, which means you need to buy a whole new set of Paw Patrollers and or Paw Patrol characters and all of their vehicles. And the command center, the 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 tower. What the hell they call it? The the tower. Uh, the lookout. The lookout. Thank you. Uh, you have to buy a new look because it's the new mighty lookout, and like it's just all of that stuff. And you can just imagine the toy line that they timed to be released about a week after that that episode aired. You know what? You're right. That's obnoxious to me. On the one hand, I get it because I understand how like toy selling works i guess and marketing and things but on the other hand there are three fucking different versions of the lookout that i know that (laughs) That i know that we know of there's the regular one there's the mighty pups one and there's the dino one and there's and they don't all come with pups or vehicles you might just buy the damn thing and it's still like 80 bucks yeah and yeah i get that it's like they advertise that it's as tall as your kid which is terrifying I don't want toys that are measured by the size of my child. We don't have that much space. I get that by like six seasons in, the kids who are into your show have already bought all of the rescue vehicles and all the pops and you need to keep selling them toys. So you need to invent new reasons for them to have toys. And that's what like the Dino Patrollers, the Mighty Pops come in because by season six, the kids have already bought all of the the regular looking ones. Yeah, I guess. And so you, all you're getting is new kid, but how do you sell, how do you sell the, the lookout to kids again? Right. Because it's Christmas time coming up or whatever. It's, I get it, but it's gross and yeah. it feels super gross with a kid's show. And I know this isn't anything new and this goes back as far back as kids. I, mean, I think there were, at some point there were restrictions and regulations put on the content of children's shows so that 
they couldn't just be long toy commercials. How did Elf on a Shelf get away with it then? It's broadcast on streaming, and I don't know if streaming uh, follows any rules gotcha. whatsoever. And also, it's garbage, and yeah. I think you and I are the only ones who watched it. <laughs> and only for the sake of this. So. Yeah, I hope that that's true. I, re- yeah. I really do. Because there's, there's nothing stopping... Oh, isn't that um what that Ryan kid... Didn't Ryan's he get, World. Ryan's World. Didn't he get started just opening toys and, and talking re- about them? Yeah, unboxing and reviewing them, I believe. I don't know much about him, and we've honestly avoided as much YouTube-esque children's stuff as we can, just because it seems like a black hole cesspool sort of thing <laughs> that we don't want to go down until we absolutely have to. There's something about Blippy that just does not sit right with oh, me. Oh man, he's so creepy. I don't know what it is because it's not like he's asking kids to sit on his lap or something. There's just something about him that like he's not doing anything different than Steve on Blue's Clues did, but Steve on Blue's Clues seemed like a normal dude who just had an animated puppy and wanted to play with your kids. Right. And Blippy seems like a weird dude. You know what it is? Is it his weird outfit? It's he's isn't he self-publishing this essentially? Like he is making these videos of his own volition and putting them out on YouTube. <laughs> it's not a studio behind him behind this who is paying him to do this. It's just this weird dude. Who is making these videos about trucks and these really terrible, terrible songs. Yeah, the songs are really bad. <laughs> and I know that it works. And I know that kids like bad songs because the, what makes a song good for a kid isn't the same thing that makes a song good for human consumption. But oh man, can't I wait until Sam is old enough to appreciate actual good music. And I mean, that. he's been listening to the Bluey soundtrack on Spotify. That's, that's true. Been... The, that's Bluey has been this just shining beacon of light in children's media that has just kind of made everything else seem not as bad. Because when it gets like, Sam, why don't we just watch Bluey? Yeah. And, then, and he gets excited about it and we get to not watch another episode of whatever it, crap he wants. The more we do this, the more I realize that children's TV grosses me out. <laughs> <laughs> the more we watch, the more I'm grossed out by the the patterns of just like... This is very clearly to sell a toy. This is very clearly just to create fake emotional connections to things that don't actually exist. This is horribly written. This dialogue is weird. Like, it's just... I know that it could happen with all TV that we watch, and I'm sure if I went back and... Which we, we realize watching Eureka's Castle, and I'm sure when we watch All Real Monsters or whatever else we watch in, in the future that's from the 90s, we'll have that same realization. But it's just... It feels all, like it's gotten worse. If it... It feels like I'm just so much more aware of it. And it's it's like I want to be like, Sam, don't... I, I can see the... I can understand the parents who are just like, I don't want my kid watching TV. Right. This is all gross. Yeah. I, I can absolutely understand where my father would have said multiple times in my childhood, I don't want you watching that garbage. <laughs> right? Because it is. It's, it's just garbage. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas stuff like, at least when he's watching something like Xavier Riddle or... You know, these other shows that have the main purpose of them to be educational, I can at least feel like, well, okay, this is at least educational in some way. It's like... And then it's it's hard, too, because we have that reaction sometimes, right? Like, we don't want him watching as much screen time as he gets sometimes, thanks to the pandemic and other things. But then you have shows like Wild Kratts or Octonauts, where he's learned so much about yeah. creatures and science, 
Hero Elementary. Like there, there are good shows out there for learning. Whether the show is good is a different Ugh. subject. But he's <laughs> learned a ton from these things that he's watched. So it's hard. I can see both sides of it yes. very easily. If you disagree with us and think that all kids TV is amazing now. How or... dare you? How <laughs> dare you disagree with us? We've done 32, 31? I don't even know what Something episode like this that. is. We've done 30 some odd episodes. How dare you come at us? Let's see your credentials. Or you think <laughs> that Nico and the Sword of Light was a bad show and you disagree with us there. Again, how dare you? Or if I missed a similarity to another Disney character that you saw... We would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us at Screen Time is Cancelled on Instagram, at STIC Podcast on Twitter, and our email is ScreenTimeIsCancelled at gmail.com, cancelled with two L's. There's a lot of garbage out there for children's TV, sure, and there's a lot of garbage out there for podcasts as well, but you can do your part to help clean up that garbage by giving us a five-star review and helping us <laughs> rise as crazy. <laughs> Like the cream rising to the top that we can squash all of the other garbage shows out there that just talk about children's TV shows, especially nostalgia ones, and just tongue bathe them in lavish praise. And like we both know they weren't bad. A lot of that stuff's just garbage. So just give us five stars. And then we talk about nostalgic shows sometimes. Yeah, but like we did that that thing of about Eureka's Castle not being all that good, so I feel like that's given us some cred. <laughs> We're like <laughs> Okay. That's given us our bona fides. And people are be like, Please God, let it give us cred. <laughs> those guys, those guys keep it real. Other people, other people are, are too afraid to come after Eureka's castle, but we came after them. Mm-hmm. We, we were willing to tell the truth. Pizza Hut puppets and all. <laughs> Speak truth to power about Eureka's castle. Awful. <laughs> oh, bye. Bye. Screen Time is Cancelled is written and produced by your host, Andrew and Alan. Our theme music is Winner Winner by Kevin McLeod. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you!